little bit about my trip to India, but I wanted to take a Sunday morning and I wanted to carve out an extended period of time. And so for about the next 20 minutes, I want to talk about my experiences and why I care about the Kooky Christian Church mission and why you should care about the Kooky Christian Church mission. And um, I traveled this year with really one specific purpose, and that was to attend and to preach at the 39th kooky christian church convention for 39 consecutive years there has been a kooky christian church convention and um, wh why am i connected why are we connected well it goes way back to the ministry of a guy by the name of harry mcfadden how many of you remember harry mcfadden and his ministry here at the church it was during his ministry that dr t lun kim and the kooky christian church mission became a monthly mission partner and so for many years, this church has been connected with the Kooky Christian Church Mission. And for many years, Dr. Lund Kim's told me, he's been inviting someone from this church to go to the annual convention and to be a part of what is happening there. And three years ago, I traveled for the first time. March, I traveled for the second time. Um, I'm hoping there's going to be a third and a fourth and a fifth time. We don't know. God willing, we'll see how that plays out. But that was the purpose, and this year our team consisted of four different individuals. Myself, Michael Malik, who is preacher at Jefferson Street Christian Church, and no stranger to this fellowship. Michael has preached here many times. He's a good friend of our church. He preaches at camp during our week of camp every year, and we shared the preaching responsibilities. And this year two women, Christian women, went, Rita Segelke, who is the wife of longtime KCC and President Tom Segelke, she traveled, and Karen Hobler, who is a nurse from Lincoln, and her husband, Rick Hobler, is um, our legal consultant. We've had to look at just with changing culture, how we do ministry, and some of the things that we need to take into consideration in light of changes at the Supreme Court level and such, and Rick Hobler has been our legal consultant through all of that. His wife, Karen, also journeyed on this trip. We left on Monday, March 13th. The drive from Lincoln to Chicago was one of the worst experiences of my life. I was driving our church van. That's the morning we got all that snow, and Dana and others were texting me the night before saying, you need to get ahead of the storm, and we should have, and we didn't, and we made it, and God provided. But from that point on, we were on our way, and we returned to Chicago Tuesday, March 21st. We spent two nights in Delhi. We spent four nights in northeast India in the city of Imphal, Manipur State, and quite frankly, we lost two nights on the journey. And people say, how do you lose two nights? We got on a plane at 2 o'clock Monday. We got off a plane. It was 3.30 Tuesday afternoon in India, and we lost an entire night. Um, coming home, we were up for about 45 hours journeying from Imphal to Delhi to Chicago to Ling. Don't ever do it. It's not a lot of fun, but God provides nonetheless. So a couple things as I dive in this morning, a couple questions that you may be wondering, and the first is this, what's a kooky? What is a kooky? I've had people look at me with really kind of bug eyes, like, what do you mean the kooky Christians? Do you mean they're weird? Do you mean they dress funny? And what I mean is that the kookies are a tribe of people. It's a very prominent, significant tribe of people. And one thing about the kookies to know, when World War I was taking place, Britain conquered much of India, but they never conquered the kooky people. The kooky people were never defeated by the Brits in World War I. 
and um, really got to the point to where many of the, the, the World War I fighters became very frustrated with the kooky people because they were such warriors. They had a guerrilla warfare mentality at a time when, when many did not. What's the significance of Northeast India? Well, in India itself, there's about 1.25 billion people. 1.25 billion people. It's um, crazy how many people are in India. And about 81% of the 1.25 billion people are Hindu. So it is a predominantly Hindu country. In India, about 2.5% of the people are Christian. But in Northeast India, that's much different. Northeast India is almost to Burma, Myanmar, um, really close to China, not far from Mount Everest and Nepal. Bangladesh is in that neighborhood. And so in Northeast India, in Manipur State, where the Kuki Christian Church Mission is located, it's about 40% Hindu, and it's about 38, 39, we might round up to 40% Christian. And so it's got a much different culture. It's got a much different footprint. It's got a much different impact for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so what was the goal? Why did we do it? Well, Michael and I primarily were there for the convention. The theme of the convention was the kingdom of God. And we, we preached messages, the meaning of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God in action, building the kingdom of God, the future of the kingdom of God. We were there to inspire Christian leaders who came from all over Northeast India. There are people from Bangladesh where it's illegal to be a Christian, Nepal, Myanmar, main, mainland India. They're all over there to inspire them in their leadership, to inspire them in their ministry. But then Karen and Rita were there primarily to work with the Rutan Orphanage and the Nyack Nursing School that are parachurch ministries that are connected with the KCCM. First service this morning, we were able to hear a guest testimony from Tom and Rita Segelke. Rita was on the trip. Unfortunately, they're in Bloomington. It's actually a great thing. Their grandchild is being baptized as we speak right now, but they were not able to give that testimony. But I look forward to um, giving you the opportunity to hear from Tom and Rita at another date in the future. And so with the time that I have this morning, I want to do two things. I want to share with you some takeaways that, um, that really grabbed me. And some of it is 2014 trip takeaways. Most of it is 2017 trip takeaways. And then I want to leave you with, I think, three lessons that we need to learn in light of what God is doing in Northeast India, in light of our role as a rural church in the 61727. What should we do with a, a mission like this? What should we do with our 27 monthly mission partners? What, what should be our worldview? How should we look at life? So let's dive in. GT's takeaways. And takeaway number one is this, and it's pretty um, right there for the grabbing. The impact and the influence of the KCCM is undeniable. You cannot deny the influence and the impact of the Kuki Christian Church mission. You can't deny it. There was a doctor um, in Bloomington Normal, her and her husband, doctor and Dr. Nyack. She was an allergist. And about 12 years ago, they gave a very large gift, $500,000, to start a hospital in northeast India 
through the KCCM. And that hospital started with one floor, now they have five floors, and um, Dr. Nyack said, I'm not satisfied with just a hospital. She had the vision of a nursing school. Now you may say, big deal, there's nursing schools all over our country, there's nursing schools all over the world. But the, the vision of the nursing school that Dr. Nyack saw was different than most nursing schools. Yes, they would get their medical training. Yes, they would be able to serve as a nurse, but she wanted it to be combined with Bible and theology training. And, oh, by the way, the Trulock Seminary and the Restoration Bible College are literally right across the street. So look at this picture right here. These are 40 first-year nursing students getting ready for their capping and pinning ceremony on the Friday of our trip. And somebody said after first service, they look really young. The reason they look really young is because they are really young. They're 18, 19, 20 years of age. But that doesn't even tell the whole story. 30 of the 40 are from what we would call remote villages. And the vision behind this nursing school, the vision behind this program is that they will go to school for two years and they will get their medical training. They will also get their Bible and theology training. They will return to their village, and they will be the chief medical person of the village, but they'll also be leading Bible studies. They'll also be a, a somewhat of a, a theological consultant along the way. And that's the vision of a doctor from Bloomington Normal who sadly passed away in November at the age of 62, and yet even in her death, that vision lives on. It was so neat to see these girls and the excitement that they had to be part of something so much bigger than themselves. Here's a second picture that I want to show you. And this is Dr. Lun Kim, and he's holding a Bible. And you may say, big deal. Everybody's got a Bible in America, right? Well, Dr. Lun Kim's faced a lot of persecution in his life. He was under house arrest for four and a half years at one point in time. What would you do? if you were under house arrest for four and a half years. You might think, well, there's a lot of good series on Netflix, and I'd binge watch Netflix. Maybe that's what you're thinking. He translated the entire Bible into the kooky language from Hebrew and Greek. It took him four and a half years while under house arrest. And that's a copy of that Bible. I have a copy of that Bible. I left it in Chestnut. Sorry about that. Show it to you sometime. But um, the influence, the impact is incredible. He was awarded an honorary doctorate by the International Bible Society for his work. Dr. Lun Kim is just an incredible Christian man, hero of the faith for me. The impact and the influence can't be missed. Here's number two, the second takeaway, and this is new in the last three years, at least at this level. Persecution has become a reality, and it's on the rise. It's increasing. The week before we left, I think it was the Friday before we left, the New York Times ran an article stating that Compassion International had made the decision to pull the plug with all operations in India. They've been in India for 48 years. In 2016, 145,000 children were adopted by families just like your family to the tune of like $38 a month. And that $38 a month, you got each child food and education and Bible study. Incredible, incredible impact. 145,000 children. And so the newly elected Indian government, they've been in power for a couple years, they're not real big on the Christians. 
And so they went to Compassion and they said, we think it's great that you're feeding all these kids that are hungry. And we think it's great that you're providing schools for these uneducated poor children. But you need to stop talking about Jesus. Enough with the Jesus stuff. And that led to several other conversations to the point that they were told, as long as Jesus is a part of it, you're not welcome. And so June 30, all operations of Compassion International will be done in India. I asked one of the leaders, I said, so will the, the Indian government rise up? Will the Hindu government rise up? And he just chuckled. And he said, you know, you look at the difference-making organizations throughout much of India. They're all Christian. They're all Christian. And he said, we are in trouble. While we were there, we had the opportunity to visit a church. Check out this next picture here. Mike and I are squinting in the bright sunshine. But uh, that looks like a pretty cool church. It's about half complete at that point. Two years ago, it was burnt to the ground by Hindu radicals. They arrived shortly after the, the new prime minister was elected, and they came to their village, to the Mai Tai Christian Church, and they said, um, we don't want a Christian church. We don't want it anymore. And they said, well, we've been here for a while. We've been here for several decades. We're not going anywhere. And they said, um, you will regret this decision. And not long after, their church was burnt to the ground. Now, through the generosity of IDES and FAME disaster relief organizations, they were able to fund the, the money for about half of a rebuild. And that's where we're at today. In fact, the next picture is the plaque that shows um, the dedication of the half-rebuilt building. But I asked the question, what happened? I mean, surely these radicals were arrested. Surely there was consequences for burning a church to the ground. And now there wasn't. They just kind of chuckled. They said, that's India in 2017. I got an email from Dr. Lun Kim last week. And he said that a member of the government flew from Delhi to Imphal to specifically meet with Dr. Lund Kim and his assistant, Alette, to get to the bottom of why four Americans were in infall in mid-March. What was their purpose? What were they doing? What was happening? And they asked for contact information for each of the four of us. And he said, if they reach out to you, I would encourage you to say that you were visiting the hospital and the nursing school and the orphanage and the seminary and the Bible college that your church has helped fund through the years. And he said, never seen times like this in India. Prime Minister Modi and one of his top lieutenants are on record saying that the goal of their government is to eradicate from India all Muslims and all Christians by 2021. And so I say, I want to go back. I say, I hope I get to go back. I very well may have made my last trip to India, not by my choice, but by their choice. Both times I've returned to America, the most intense conversation I've had has been with um, the immigration folks at O'Hare Airport trying to wrap their brains around why any American would want to go to a place like Manipur. And so persecution, it's a real deal. You know, you woke up today and you could go to church if you want to. You didn't have to go to church if you didn't want to. 
And it's your choice. For our brothers and sisters in Christ in places like Imphal, Manipur, we have no idea what they will experience in the months and the years ahead. And just from an integrity standpoint, you need to understand brothers and sisters in Christ in places like Afghanistan and Iran and Iraq and countries in Africa are dealing with much more intense persecution. So that was a takeaway. Persecution's a real deal. Number three, the needs of this ministry are growing. And I want to put this next slide up. Um, they are really blessed by what I would call parachurch ministries. People say, what's a parachurch ministry? Parachurch ministry is not the church, but it supports the church. So Little Galilee Christian Camp is a parachurch ministry. It's not a church in itself, but it supports the church, and it does a great job. Lincoln Christian University, it's not the church, but it supports the church. And I think one of the secrets of the influence and success of the KCCM is these difference-making parachurch ministries, the seminary, the Bible college, the hospital, the nursing school, the orphanage, and yet the more students that come to the nursing school, the more children that the orphanage adopts, the greater the needs are, the greater the increase in needs. And so I come to you today, I don't know what the answer is. I mean, if someone wanted to rise up and say, you know, I'll give $10,000 a month, you know, for the next 10 years, that'd be awesome. But, um, you know, there's a lot of needs, and they're all just heart-tugging needs. Fifteen orphans at the Rutan Orphanage, and they could triple that tomorrow if they had the funding. Forty first-year nursing students, and, and they could double that tomorrow if they had the funding. You know, Bible college, seminary professors that live, quite frankly, in a standard that most of us would not. Some of these men and women have their doctorates, and they're living in what we wouldn't think twice about living in. And so the needs continue to grow. And then finally, number four, and this is the most important thing that I'm going to say today, the lordship of Jesus Christ reigns supreme. I took a picture when I was there. It's Sunday morning of the convention. Put this next slide up, please. And it's a picture of my Bible that's falling apart, literally falling apart, and the bread and the juice. And I, I try to look at that every day and remind myself that the main thing really is the main thing. For a lot of missions and for a lot of organizations and for a lot of churches, it's really easy to lose sight of who is your allegiance ultimately to. It's really easy to have allegiance to a, 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 a leader, a human, over Jesus Christ and not even realize that you're doing it. And yet, I was reinforced time and time and time again while in India that this is a mission that is all about the lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, Dr. Lund Kim, he's a hero. And people dig him, and they should. But it's all about Jesus. And so, I'm almost done, but I want to leave you with three challenges. And these hit me um, different ways, different times over the month that I've been home, the five weeks that I've been home. But I thought, what do I want to challenge you with? And number one is this. I think the first challenge is that we need to mission up. What's that mean? We need to always be about the mission. What's our mission? To love God and to build the church and to reach the world. Grab your bulletin. It's on the front cover. It's eight words. Memorize it. Know it. Live it. But I think even more than just knowing our mission statement, 
and being passionate about our mission statement, realize that it's a worldwide difference-making church that we're a part of. You know, I've had people, um, unfortunately, lead me to conclude sometimes that they think there's only going to be Americans in heaven. There's only going to be people that look like us in heaven. There's only going to be people that speak like us and live like us in heaven. And when I read the Bible, I'm reminded that it will be every tribe and every tongue and every nation that is in heaven. And so I have a challenge for every person here today. If you're a visitor, if you've been here your whole life or somewhere in between, grab one of our 27 monthly mission partners and adopt them in your heart. Adopt them in your mind and start praying for them today. I mean, I'd love to have us all do Kooky Christian Church. Little Galley would be awesome. Lincoln Christian University would be awesome. Cope, Barbo Donahue would be awesome. I mean, we've got that list published somewhere. I'll get it for you. Grab one, pray for them, encourage them, write to them. Mission up. It's more than just 61727. Second thing that I said, that I, I almost didn't throw this in here because I don't want anybody to misunderstand it, but I think we need to grow up sometimes. We need to grow up. You know, if we are so driven by bulletins, if we're so driven by things that really don't matter in the big scheme of things, we are missing the point. We were traveling to the Mai Tai Christian Church, the church that was burnt to the ground by Hindu radicals, and Michael and I were in the back, and he was discussing with me a frustration that he has at his church in Lincoln. And I know it's hard to believe, but preachers sometimes have frustrations, and we typically don't share them with you. We typically share them with one another and try to come up with solutions. And he was a little fired up. He was a little animated. And then we saw the church, their dirt floor, their unfinished building, the plaque that reminded us their previous building had been burnt to the ground. And I, I remember him saying to me, you know, what we just talked about in the car doesn't matter at all in the big scheme of things. And so I think when we look at something like this, I'm reminded that as Peter says in 1 Peter chapter, chapter 2, let's always be about growing up in our salvation, making sure that we don't get caught up in the things that don't really matter. Let's major in the majors. Let's make the main thing the main thing. And then finally, number three, step up. Step up. I think it is a great opportunity that we have thrown out for you, the church, for years and years and years when it comes to missions. And I'm going to tell you, some of you, you've never been on a mission trip and you need to go. Some of you, you've never been to Little Galilee Christian Camp, and it's like six miles away, and you need to go. Some of you have never stepped outside your comfort zone, your 1045 to 1148 comfort zone on Sunday mornings, and you need to step up. You need to step out. You need to allow God to work in you in ways you never thought was possible. If you would have told me five years ago I was going to do two trips to India in the next five years, I'd have laughed at you, quite honestly. I had no desire at all to go. And it's one of the greatest things that's ever happened to me. And I said no three times before I finally said yes. I'm so glad my friend Tom Segelke literally wouldn't take no for an answer. And I challenge everyone here today, if you're a follower of Jesus, 
step up. Allow God to stretch you. You will not regret it. Let's pray. God, thanks for today. Thanks for the opportunity to hear about a work that's going on literally halfway around the world. And um, I just pray for the leadership of the KCCM. And I pray that you would just bless them and encourage them and protect them and guide them. And I just thank you for their faithfulness. I thank you that the Sunday after that church was burnt to the ground, they were worshiping you in the ashes. I love that. And I want that. I want that for us. That no matter what happens, no matter what plays out, we're all in because of Jesus. We love you so much. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. We're going to close our service with a couple songs. And during this time, if you're not a Christ follower, um, I want to make a passionate plea that it's the most important decision you'll ever make, in my opinion. It's the most important decision I made. And I'd love to talk with you about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I want to remind you that our fireside room ministry will be happening. And if you need shepherding, prayer, encouragement, hit there. I think John and Tammy Rogers are there today. We'd love to have the opportunity to pray with you. I'm up front here. And if I can pray with you during this time of worship, I'd love to do it as we stand together and Samuel and the team leads us. You were the word at the beginning, one with God, the Lord most high. You're hidden glory in creation, now revealed in you are Christ. What a beautiful name. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is, nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. didn't want heaven without us so jesus you brought heaven down my sin was great your love was greater what could separate us now what a wonderful name what a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a wonderful name it is, nothing compares to this. What a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus. What a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus God, your name. 
could not hold you. Death could not hold you. The veil tore before you. You silenced the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring. The praise of your glory. For you are raised to life again. You have no rival. You have no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. Yours is the name above all names. What a powerful name it is. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a powerful name it is. Nothing can stand against. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. You have no rival. You have no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. Yours is the name above all names. What a powerful name it is. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. Christ my King. What a powerful name it is. Nothing can stand against. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is. The name of Sing this, we know. 
this we know as we will see the enemy run this we know as we will see the victory come as we hold on to every promise you ever made Jesus you are Our guide in the wilderness, our joy in the heaviness. My way, our way when it seems there is no way, Jesus. This we know. This we know, we will see the victory come. As we hold on to every promise you ever made. Jesus, you are unfailing. As we trust you, we trust you. Your ways are higher than our own. As we trust you, yes, we trust you. As your ways are higher than our own. Come on, sing it out. As we trust you, Jesus, we trust you. As your ways. Higher than our own, as we trust you, you know things we trust you. Show ways higher than our own. This we know, as we will see the enemy run. This we know, as we will see the Hold on to every promise you ever made. Jesus, you are unfailing. Jesus, you are unfailing. Jesus, you are Uh, finish out our service with this last song. Sing all of creation. It's all of creation. All of the earth and make straight highway a path for a Lord. Jesus is coming. 
serve the Lord this week.
2017, let's hear it. The loudest shout you've got in you. Give it to us. Come on.